Thank you for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Surefire Local. Over 40,000 people have listened to Mark G. Richardson's podcast series specifically for home improvement businesses. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Mark Richardson and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that you can actually subscribe to and get every two weeks on different topics, a pulse of what's happening in the industry, and an interview of a thought leader. We feel at least this format is a very, very efficient and effective way for you to really think about and take your business to the next level. This podcast series is supported by many of my friends out there, including the National Association of the Remodeling Industry, NARI, Professional Remodeler, as well as those that produce this, the Surefire Local Leading Digital Marketing Group. Today, I want to open my remarks with uh, a topic that kind of hit a chord for me. This weekend, I was actually reading a book, a book on sales, and this was more generic sales. And one of the questions the author said to the readers is, do you scream value? And that question really hit a chord for me. I think that I oftentimes, as, as I'm working with and coaching salespeople, sales leaders, and even CEOs of companies, One of the questions that oftentimes is a disconnect is that they feel like they've earned the business, but I haven't felt the value has really been presented. So the question of screaming value, I think, really hits a chord, especially today with some of the challenges and a little bit of the headwinds out there with the wiggliness of the stock market and some questions in terms of interest rates and home appreciation, a lot of things happening out there, I think it's more important than ever that you scream value. So let me kind of drill into this and give you maybe some tips for you to be thinking about. And some of these tips can even be used as a little bit of a checklist of screaming value. First of all, I love this little adage I heard many years ago is people buy when the, when the value is greater than the cost or the price. Now, you think about that almost like an old-fashioned scale, and on the left hand is value and the right hand is cost. And today, more than ever, the costs are relatively high, so you have to have more and more and more value for that client, not only to work with you, but quite frankly, even do the project at all. When I go back and look at the statistics and metrics, about two-thirds of the time, homeowners that contact you never even do the project. And I would argue it's because they didn't see the value. One of the biggest objections that we find in home improvement and certainly in remodeling is on the cost of the projects. Well, again, cost is all relative to value. If the value goes up and up and up, then I think that ratio is such that will cause the client to tip over. So I jotted down, I think, seven ways or seven tips to scream value. Number one is I think it's important to start to use more facts and metrics in your presentations as you're speaking to clients, not just emotions. 
Even though people buy on emotional level, they rationalize their decision today more than ever based on the facts. So the facts might be relative to, for example, cost increases. The facts might be wrapped around timing. The facts might be wrapped around the fact that the cost value reports that are out there see the right kind of returns. The facts might also be wrapped around what is it cost versus moving versus remodeling. Many years ago, we actually analyzed that and came up with the act of moving is about 10 to 20% of the cost of the new house. Now, when you start to think about that and rationalize that and use that facts, you're building more and more value in the decision to be able to proceed. Number two, if you want to build I think, value or scream value, the client needs to be educated to what their alternatives are. Now, as I've certainly said many times, your client is your greatest competitor, not necessarily other remodeling companies. So the notion of understanding different levels of businesses that they can work for. I oftentimes think about it in terms of three parts. About 80% of the fragmented remodeling industry is made up of smaller type businesses, craftsmen, that oftentimes are very honest, hardworking people, but they do very diverse projects. They're not necessarily masters in any particular remodeling, and they certainly don't have all the licenses, insurance, accreditations that many of the people, for example, listening to this podcast series probably have. The other extreme of that, which represents about 5% of the uh, uh, available service community, is what I call more the boutique type of service. It could be a signature designer or an architect. It could be that special remodeler who only selects special clients to work for. Generally, they're quite a bit more expensive, and in fact, they're going to control the process. Then you have a layer of that 15% roughly that is the professional remodeler. It's the folks that are listening to this particular podcast. It's the folks that really want to stay in business, are very client-centric, are very value-driven. So simply by educating the client to these three levels and saying that's who you are. So if, in fact, they want to work with a professional-type firm that is focused on time, focused on budget, and focused on a delighted client, then you're the right person for them. The third area that I think you can start to build more value is don't just assume that what the client wants is the same as what they did five or ten years ago. One of the interesting things, and we actually have had interviews on this podcast series about this, is the whole focus of importance of time, say, compared to cost or compared to value. So start to ask your clients, when you look at kind of these three components, which is more important to you and which is the least important? One is the overall quality of construction, quality of design, high selections, those kind of things. Two is the cost. And then three is time, is the speed, is the ability to get this done in some sort of reasonable manner. By asking that question, you can then create more of a hierarchy. And you might find cost is not necessarily number one. It might be down to number two or number three for many clients. Number four is your experience. Now, I did a little exercise with my friends at Rhode Island Kitchen and Bath uh, recently, 
at a, a workshop that we did, and we actually took all of our production team in this particular case, and we added up all the years of experience. So within this company that is a kind of a medium-sized company, we actually came up with about 350 years of experience. Now, I only share that because I did this exercise many years ago with my company as, with, as well as with others, and it's really pretty amazing. And the homeowners don't necessarily uh, understand and value the number of years of experience. Imagine, for example, a doctor who you're working with who's maybe a cardiologist who only has a year of experience versus someone that maybe has 15 or 20 years. That level of comfort is so much greater. So take a little time, actually add up all the years of experience of every one of the individuals within your company, and then don't keep that a secret. Mention to clients in passing that, you know, it's hard to put a value on having over 100 years of experience when, when it comes to that client experience and doing the right thing. The number five on my list of screaming value is make your process different. Now, change is really critical, and you need to start to have more changes in the process. So the process itself has to be slightly different if you're going to build more and more value. And process being different doesn't mean you're layering on more things that you're necessarily giving the client. It may be just making it easier for them. You know, there are folks out there working today on more of an online communication and selling, using technologies for different kind of reporting. You know, I've used the example and certainly talk about on the different podcasts, Tesla is a great outside example of creating a different kind of selling process. And that selling process is so different that it actually causes many people in itself to buy. So if you want to scream value, look at the process itself, and you can actually do that. Number six on my list is that you have to realize that at least 50% of a homeowner's decision to proceed with you has to do with the relationship, not the project. The relationship, not the project. So if you want to scream more value, try to put more time and energy in that initial visit in the relationship. Try to spend more time discussing other things that are important to them, causes that are their issues. Take a look at different elements within the home. Try to also discuss things that are more short, medium, and long term, even though it's not about the today project. And if you can focus on the uh, relationship and the chemistry of that relationship, it's adding more deposits, more deposits to the value equation, which certainly would tip them over. And then lastly, it's asking a really important question. And if you focus on these questions, the answers will come. So if you want to add more value, three why questions I think are really important for you to ask yourself when it comes to any particular prospect or client. Number one is why should they do this project? If you don't know why they should do this project, then how do you expect them to know? And if they don't fully know and are invested into doing the project, the likelihood of them doing it is much less. The second is why should they do this project now? You know, creating urgency, I think, is really critical as a sales skill, but it's also really important for them to really scream value in terms of wanting to proceed. And then lastly, and certainly not least, is why should this, they do this project with you?
Because if you want the project, then you have to know why that client should do it with you. So by asking those three questions, I think you end up having that opportunity throughout the course of the conversation and meetings with clients to kind of weave in the threads of these things and be more successful. So in closing, the real question for yourself and for your team is, do you scream value? Because as I said, today more than ever, you've got to scream value, not just assume that the client sees the value in you. So I want to thank everybody for listening to this opening remarks. Again, we have a lot more to this podcast that's coming up. Again, thanking, I think, all of our supporters. And make sure, if you find these things interesting, that I'm always interested in feedback. I'd love to hear from you in terms of either getting an email or you can always call me at 301-275-0208. You can also reach back to our friends at Surefire. Give them some feedback. And also, if you want access to any of my books, they are actually giving those books away as a gift in exchange for a call focused on digital marketing. So again, thank you for listening today and thank you to the supporters. And I'll speak to you soon. I want to thank everybody for listening to Remodeling Mastery, but just as much I want to thank those that support this particular series. Now, first and foremost, I want to encourage you not just to listen, but to subscribe. And for those people that subscribe to this podcast or actually reach out to my producers, Surefire, a leading digital marketing organization, you'll actually receive a copy of one of my books that will help you take your business to the next level. This podcast series is actually supported by Professional Remodeler. Professional Remodeler is committed to help you understand and crack the code on your business. So I encourage you to try to spend the time reading the magazine and reach out to them and be a little bit more of a voice in the industry. I also encourage you to get involved, get engaged. The National Association of Remodeling Industry, NERI, is a wonderful organization that I've been involved with with most of my career and actually had so many opportunities as a result of that. And lastly, certainly reach out to my friends at Surefire Local that will be able to help you with your business. Welcome back. I'm Mark Richardson, and this is a new segment of Remodeling Mastery, which is focused on What's happening out there? I think it's critical that the remodeling community is not only focused on how to take your business to the next level, but also keeping kind of a pulse of the facts and figures and some of the key indicators out there. And joining me today, the special guest and certainly a good friend of mine, Kermit Baker. Kermit is the chief economist for the American Institute of Architects, as well as he heads up a program that is made up of leading manufacturers, remodelers, the media community, as well as economists focused on the future of remodeling. So welcome, Kermit, and uh, thought uh, maybe we'll dive into the topic. Great to be with you, Mark. Thank you. So uh, on this segment, Kermit, I want to kind of tap into a little bit of your crystal ball, but hopefully as an economist, it's got some substance behind it that's a little bit not more, more than just a psychic in terms of 2019 
And, you know, what, what do you, let's look out. We're seeing a little bit of kind of a little bit of craziness out there in the marketplace, but what are you seeing in 2019 that would be beneficial for our listeners? Well, Mark, we're, we're entering the year with some good, solid uh, tailwinds. You know, we've been on a, uh, a, a good streak uh, in recent years with, uh, you know, uh, this past year, 2018, really being the uh, high watermark in terms of growth for the industry. But I think we're starting to see some uh, headwinds uh, emerge as we move into 2019. And, 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 and let me just mention a few. Um, one is uh, interest rates are, are, are moving up, uh, and they're moving up particularly uh, uh, quickly uh, uh, at the short end of the market, short-term rates, uh, things that are usually used to peg uh, home equity lines of credit and home equity loans. Uh, we're starting to see some uh, labor shortage out, shortages out there in the industry. Uh, we're starting to see wages increasing. That's going to drive up the cost of uh, undertaking a home improvement project. And we're seeing uh, some volatility and increases in material prices. Um, a lot of it caused by the sort of tariff uh, and trade wars that are emerging or, or threatened to emerge. But, but all three of them are really uh, uh, causing uh, the price of a home improvement project to rise. And, and I think giving consumers pause as to uh, um, you know, whether a project makes sense or not in this environment. Now, when you look at all of those factors, uh, and I and I love your you know your metaphor of the you know tailwinds coming in and the headwinds ahead, you know are these headwinds more of like gale force winds or headwinds, or are they more you know just keep an eye on them and navigate a proper properly? Well, I think the, in the first instance, it's keep an eye on them. I mean, I think the question is, are they going to be uh, fairly fairly modest? Uh, are, are they just going to kind of slow things down again from the high single-digit growth that we've seen down to the maybe the mid-single-digit growth? Uh, but certainly, um, you know, they have the potential to, to turn into something more serious. We're seeing a lot more talk, hearing a lot more talk out there about a recession uh, coming up, probably not in, in uh, 2019, but potentially after that. Um, and, and, and so I think it behooves everyone to start you know, watching those signals a little more closely, not uh, not uh, assume the good times are going to continue, but, um, you know, monitor business conditions, monitoring what's going on in your own practices and things like that to see which direction, um, you know, which direction we're seeing movement uh, moving forward. Now, if there were three things that you would encourage uh, a remodeling owner or remodelers to monitor, ex- external monitoring kind of elements, what would those three elements be for you? Well, I, you know, I think a very easy one for the for the broader economy is 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 to watch uh, the stock market. Um, you know, it's been very strong until uh, in, in, until the end of 2018 when it, when started to see a lot more volatility. Um, and I think if we continue to see that trend down, that's going to be bad news for uh, for the broader economy, and 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 therefore. Um, you know, bad news for the home improvement market. Um, you know, looking, I, I, I think, more locally at their market, um, they, they probably want to follow house prices in, in, in their market area. Uh, that's really what drives a lot of uh, uh, consumer decision and consumer uh, concern. You know, are they holding up pretty well? Are, are they not moving up too quickly, which might create affordability issues? Are they not declining, which might make homeowners a little bit nervous about investing in their home? So you want to see them kind of flat to uh, slowly uh, slowly picking up. 
and and then in their own uh, you know their 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 own company activity, I think they you know they want to start watching the the types of projects that are show up. Um, you know when the uh, when the market is is healthy, you see a lot of uh, households undertake projects that they want to undertake. When the project is uh, when when the market's not as healthy, you see it more, uh, limited more to projects they need to undertake. Uh, they need to replace their roofing at certain times. They need to replace their siding, upgrade some of their uh, 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 systems in the homes, HVAC, electrical, plumbing. Um, so you like to see more of those discretionary projects that show the underlying competence of the consumer um, in market conditions. Excellent. So for those listening to this, I think Kermit has given everyone that little bit of roadmap, a little bit of pulse of not only what he's seeing out there, but also, you know, kind of cracking the code for yourself. You know, you want to have the nice blend of how you're feeling, but also backed up by some of the key facts and figures. So I want to thank you, Kermit, for joining us on this special segment today of Remodeling Mastery, what's happening out there. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you soon. Good being with you today, Mark. Would you like to learn about the best ways to position your home improvement business for success in 2019? Get a free copy of Mark's best-selling book, Fit to Grow, the 12 business themes for growth. You can do so by emailing marketing at surefirelocal.com or calling or texting 571-327-3391. Welcome back to Remodeling Mastery. I'm your host, Mark Richardson. And with me today is a friend, an individual that not only I think will give you some insights on how to think about your remodeling business, but, you know, expanding it a little bit further, uh, he will help to hopefully crack the code on what's happening out there in terms of the digital and the technology and certainly digital marketing world. Uh, my, my friend and certainly guest right now is Chris Morentis. Uh, Chris is the founder and CEO of an organization called Surefire, which in addition to being a leader in the digital marketing kind of world, they also are producers of our podcast, which I'm very thankful for. Uh, so, Chris, thank you certainly for joining me today, and, and uh, why don't we kind of dive into this. So one of the things I've always found very interesting uh, in talking to different leaders in the industry is a little bit more about them and their story and how they got involved. So, so who's Chris Morentes? Well, it's, it's an interesting story, and you have uh, talked about it before, but, you know, I, I come from a small business household, a contractor household. You know, I woke up every morning with a few guys around my kitchen table and I'd be in elementary school eating my cereal and the guys would be talking about what jobs they were going to and what was going on. And I, you know, I noticed my dad was in good moods when there was a lot of jobs to go to. And I noticed his mood slipped a little bit when there wasn't a lot of jobs to go to. And that always stuck with me. You know, I ended up not going into my dad's business. I was always interested in it, but my older brothers kind of got there first. So, you know, I was always an engineer by mindset and training, and and uh, I went into technical technology and uh, went into advertising and marketing technology specifically. 
but that always kind of stayed with me. And, um, you know, uh, you know, so that, that, that's sort of the, like sort of the DNA of, uh, you know, my interest with small business owners, you know, but, uh, I, I started my career in the big agency business in New York city working for some of the, at that time, the biggest agency in the world, Young and Rubicam, and, and then went to several other, you know, advertising agencies. And around, you know, 1992-93, there was this thing called the Internet coming along. And uh, I started to become really fascinated with that, with my sort of technology bent, uh, and, uh, and went to the biggest company I could at that time, this little company called America Online, down here in Virginia. And at that time, it was in this little brick building that we happen to be in today. Um, it ended up building a campus out in Loudoun. And, uh, you know, it learned a lot about, you know, sort of this new media world of online at that time, which became the Internet. And I spent, you know, eight and a half years, and that was the first Internet unicorn. I was a senior vice president there and really, you know, learned a lot and, and had a lot of really interesting perspective about creating what was then the web 1.0 world, you know, it, it really it, taking, you know, your catalog or brochure and putting it online with little pictures and things like that. Um, and now you ended up as a result of some of those experiences, obviously, uh, you know, heading down some different technology paths, but you actually ultimately then wrote a book. And why don't you highlight what that book was and why you wrote that book? Yeah, that's, I, I wrote that book after I was, um, after AOL, I became CEO of two venture-backed companies. One of the first Web 2.0 companies, this company called Add This, which we sold to Oracle. And that was really around this new web of, you know, enabling movable content, you know, where, you know, and, and dynamic content where uh, you could do crowdsourcing of data, things like reviews, you know, it enabled things like Facebook and, and, you know, dynamic websites and all these other things. And in that, I learned how search and discovery was going to completely change the internet game. And then I went to another company called 40s One, which is around geospatial intelligence, actually funded by the CIA, and, um, and that was around, uh, you know, around learning how important geo-proximity signals were going to start to become in search and discovery, and I put those two things together, and I kind of went back to my dad's, you know, sort of business, and I said, holy mackerel, local marketing is going to change completely, and no longer does a business owner have to sort of, you know, hand over a bunch of money and pray it works. They could actually take more control over their business presence and lead generation if they just knew a few things. So I wrote a book called Surefire Social, probably being a little bit too cute on the name of how all marketing was becoming around a dialogue and around content and around, you know, understanding your customer and, uh, and started giving speeches around the country uh, when I wrote that book. Excellent. So, you know, I think uh, as we certainly discussed and I've certainly experienced as I bounce around and talk to different remodeling companies, especially, uh, you know, ones that are focused big and small, oftentimes there's a lot of confusion in this space. Uh, there, there's a lot of mystery of this stuff that has been, 
you know, historically a very high touch personal referral, you know, talk to your neighbor kind of business that that's changed. Talk about how that has changed. People under people see the change, I think, Chris, but they don't necessarily understand it. Help us understand it. Yeah. Um, technology, you know, I've been in media and marketing and technology for 30 years, and it's probably changing faster now than at any time in, in my life. Um, and it's really the proliferation of, you know, of the different channels that you have to be able to, you know, talk to customers about your business. And, and by the way, where customers expect to be able to find you if you're, you know, if you're a reputable company, you know, um, you know, there, there's, it's kind of an interesting dichotomy because there's, there's this consolidation of Google and Facebook, you know, and, you know, and a few others, you know, kind of platforms, large platforms. But if you look at all these other channels, like everything from House to, to, you know, Home Advisor to Yelp to reviews, you know, to your website, you know, they all, um, you know, are, are available in, in, in Google. So even though Google is where people start, it's not where they end, you know, their search. And the more places that you become available and seen and you're, and, and they, 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 their expectations of how you are represented, you know, uh, uh, meet, you know, sort of what their own criteria is around what they're looking for, but also, you know, they're going to compare you to other competitors. How, you know, how many different places they see you versus competitors. What's the star rating, you know, on you? What, how many reviews do you have? Um, what, what pictures do you have that represents the kind of things they want to do? So, you know, this change is really around, you know, three principles that are really, really important to a business. Number one is, you know, uh, recency of, you know, content, you know, the content is broad. It could be a podcast like this. It could be a picture. It could be a new promotion. It could be a new review, but recency of that content across all these different places that customers expect to find you in, you know, the other is, you know, proximity signals. So, you know, um, most, you know, search engines, you know, and that's a you know, search engine broadly like, like Google, or it could be Yelp's internal algorithm or home advisors or, or uh, houses or Bing, you know, or Facebook, right? They all have, you know, sort of ways to determine, you know, what your service area is based on, you know, data that you make available across all these places. So uh, th those proximity signals are going to matter. You know, and then relevancy, you know, um, you know, so you might be a, 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 a you know, a, a full service remodeler that does, you know, kitchens and baths and, and, you know, you know, different types of things. And, you know, if you don't, you know, do a good job making sure that that data is available in all those different places, you won't come up in those search results for those places either. So, you know, 
having a consistent, you know, approach to those three things in those different channels are really what the game is about today. And it's confusing because you never know, you know, what channels sort of, you know, gaining, what channels not gaining, new channels that come on, you know, and they all are constantly changing their algorithm and what's important, you know, so just keeping up with those things become a little bit overwhelming. You know, one of the things that you highlighted, Chris, that maybe you can expand on that was an aha for me when, you know, John Ferraro with Google was doing a talk at the Extreme Sales Summit a couple of years ago, and he highlighted that, you know, that homeowners today put more value in an online review than a personal referral. And when you think about that, you know, personal referrals have been kind of the lifeblood of the remodeling business. And all of a sudden, when you're told that it's more important to have online reviews, and, you know, the reality is online reviews are something that is a mystery. You know, how do I get people to put an online review? How do I get some traction with that? What do I do with some of the negative reviews? Because there's going to be any advice that you might have uh, for the listeners of, trying to improve that online review presence or be a little bit even more educated on it? Yeah. Um, reviews are really the currency for visibility today because when you think about those three principles, every time a, a customer leaves a new review, it's recent. It's creating a proximity signal because it knows the zip code that that review is coming from and the you know, proximity of that of that zip code and it's relevant because you know it's talking about a job you did for them so it's really you know it hits on all three of those those metrics and you know uh, you know the, the online reviews versus personal referral I've never I haven't heard that particular stat before I believe it if they they might have some studies that show that but what I would say is online reviews give you a lot more leverage in the principle of personal referrals, right? Because a personal referral, how many people would really give personal? It's, they're great, and it's gold, and it's a way a lot of people built their business in the past. But online reviews allow you to take that principle and create a ton of leverage and reach a lot more people with that. And um, you know, and you know, there's a lot of different you know review platforms and different principles about reviews, right? You know, there's first-party reviews which is a review that you request from a customer and you take that review and then that review goes on to your website, right? That's a first party review. The key to putting leverage on that first party review is wrapping it in code in the, it's called schema in the, in the lingo of technologists, right? That code is readable by Google. It's sort of approved by Google and they expect that. So that review is likely to be pulled in by Google My Business and go on to Google My Business or at least the star rating, add to your star rating on Google My Business. So it serves a purpose of being fresh content on your website and also it adds to stars on Google My Business, which kind of has a lot of pin action around that because Google My Business is sort of a a centerpiece of a local of a local business presence these days. It's really the heartbeat because Google is so important in search, right? 
but also if you're going to do paid search in Google, those star ratings become really important for, you know, bid optimization and showing customers star ratings and all those other things. So first party reviews done the right way with schema are really important because then other places besides Google My Business pick those up as well. Then there's something called third party reviews where someone leaves a review for you on Google My Business directly or Yelp or Home Advisor or uh, you know house or you know, whatever you know that might local.com there's literally tons of different review platforms and my advice is always to pick you know two or three you know that really drive the business and and you know I would say certainly the top two should be Google my business and um, uh, and and uh, and Facebook and then next after that depending on the market you're in Yelp, you know, would be would be one. Maybe Home Advisor might be one. Maybe House might be one. But you know, in certain markets, Yelp. You know, a lot of people don't like Yelp, but in certain markets, Yelp plays a big role in search and discovery. And you just got to know if you're in that market. Right. But getting soliciting third-party reviews, and you want to probably you know want to create sort of a, a a system where you're asking. For some kind of percentage, like 50% of my reviews I'm going to ask for is going to be for my first party reviews. Then I'm going to do 25% for Google My Business directly and 25% on Facebook. Or you're going to you're going to want to create a strategy for yourself, and then you're going to want to ask for reviews and make it easy for customers to give you reviews, whether it be through automation, you know, with a, a review platform, you know, or handing them a card when you finish the job and giving them the, you know, where to find you, you know, or, you know, whatever that might be. Well, let's, let, let, let's kind of shift gears slightly here and talk about another topic that you brought up and that I, I'm kind of finding fascinating because, you know, with most remodeling companies and remodeling leaders and even, quite frankly, marketing directors, I think there's a lot of misconceptions. And one of the misconceptions, I think, is that, you know, okay, as long as I get searched, then I'm going to be up towards the top of the search or as they're looking for me, you know, I'll show up at the top. But one of the things that, you know, we're seeing changing quite a bit is this whole difference between organic kind of searches versus paid searches. And maybe you can touch on what's going on out there, Chris, because that's an important thing to not end up on the, you know, the sixth page and get stuck way behind everything out because you're behind the curve on this. Yeah, there's all huge changes going on with that. And, um, you know, sort of the, the headline is paid search, particularly in places like Google, is starting to cram down organic search results on the search engine results page. Um, you know, uh, you know, even this. And the reality is people are so time-starved, they're not going to want to go to page five or page six to ultimately find that little diamond in the rough company, i.e. the remodelers that listen to this. You better be up in the front of the line, otherwise you may be missed. And on mobile, it's even harder. On mo Think of a small screen on mobile and the way that screen works. You know, so, uh, you know, you know, Google now has taken what used to be 
you know, ad inventory along the side and the top. Um, and then they added the, the three pack. And then, you know, so then you had the ads at the top, ads on the side, the local three pack, and then the top 10 organic search results. Now, um, you know, there's a, there's this whole theme that everyone's going towards and, and you're going to see Amazon starting to become a big search engine. Um, Facebook, you're really looking, you know, they have a lot of their own issues they're trying to resolve right now, but they're really trying to become search. It's this idea of transactional search. Google just launched um, uh, local search LSAs, local search ads, where um, it's a pay-per-lead model. They're disrupting the entire search world. Um, they're rolling it out in different verticals, and home improvement is one of those verticals. And in HVAC now, in, um, in, uh, uh, in roofing, uh, plumbing, um, uh, I believe there's uh, some verticals, uh, locksmiths, uh, but they're going to start to proliferate that out, and they go right to the very top. So they're pushing down now. You see, now you have local search ads, you have paid ads, then you have the, the, the local pack, the three pack. So those organic searches are going to be pushed down more and more. doesn't mean organic search isn't still something you want to go for that's important, right? But it's going to be more uh, visible in long tail type searches and question type searches. That'll be important for voice. Vo voice is the other thing. That's yeah, talk to us a little bit about voice because I'm fascinated with that and it's come to your earlier point. You've never seen the technology happening faster in terms of the changes. And, you know, most people in their home, whether it's through Amazon or whether it's through Apple or whether it's through Google, you know, they have devices and they get more and more connected and they're doing everything with voice. What's the impact of voice on kind of this whole formula? The impact right now is probably, truthfully, not that huge, but I think between now and five years from now, I think five years from now, we're going to look back and we're going to talk about how quaint it was that we used to type into this box you know, questions or keywords to try to look for things. Um, you know, there, there's still a lot to be sort of evolved in this voice search and complementing voice search in the home with, you know, results that show up on your TV or on a small, you know, small device that's next to your, you know, your Google home or your Alexa, you know, or your, you know, whatever, you know, Siri device, whatever that might be. But there's a, an acceleration of the pace of change in voice search is going to completely change that game. And making sure that you are set up now for being wired into the voice search results is really, really key. Um, because just like uh, traditional search was, people who got ahead of the game in SEO and were building up content and building up authority, you know, one, the same thing's going to happen in this, in this new world. And really it gets back to, you know, and I don't want to you know, try to keep me from getting overly you know, geeky here, right? But this idea of, you know, of, uh, of how to be found is the same in voice as it is now in in all these other you know um, you know text based you know visual based search results right 
the difference between web one and web 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 one oh and web two oh, right, is the number of pages exploded to billions and billions of pages. The only way search engines could keep up with that is by um, creating ways to identify structured data on pages so that they could easily ping pages and know what they're about, catalog them and make them work. In voice search, that's becoming even more important. So being able to have technology for your business where you're able to take all the data around your business and make that structured in a way that's easier, kind of like I, I talked about with reviews, that's a way of creating structured data for reviews, but you could do that structured data around name, address, phone number, promotions, you know, your people, you know, all kinds of things, the kind of jobs that you do, all that structured data is what's going to make you relevant as the search, you know, continues to change and evolve. And that's key to your business. So, Chris, let's move a little bit more towards a summary because this is clear that there's so much depth to this topic that, you know, we're, we're, we're trying in many ways to kind of feed you with the kind of a fire hose, so to speak. And it's very easy to get kind of overwhelmed by not only this new language, but the depth of these kind of the, the complexity of the technologies. Let's kind of dumb it down if we can in, in summarizing. And I'd like you to give kind of maybe, you know, one or two, you know, bits of advice that you would have for that remodeler, roofer, HVAC contractor who's whatever the one, two, three million dollar fella out there that, you know, says, you know, I get it. I get everything you're saying, but, you know, what do I do next? Should you know, where's that, you know, that hotline I should call? What what do I do next in terms of just some baby steps to kind of raise the, my acumen and bar on this subject? What would you recommend based on the fact that you clearly have the depth of knowledge, but let's simplify it. Yeah. Job, Two or three things. Job one is, you know, be mobile ready. Okay. Mobile ready. That, that means have a, you know, have a website that is mobile first, not mobile second, mobile first. Excellent advice. Meaning, you know, speed scores, meaning, you know, all that structured data you know, any any new publishing platform, WordPress, whatever it is, Excellent. should have that easily available for you to do that. So if you're getting a someone to build you a new website, if your website's more than a year and a half, two years old, chances are you should probably update on modern technology. Okay, so mobile first. Yeah, Great so mobile advice. First. What's number two? Number two is take that same, you know, information about your company, you know, make it and then make that consistent across all the places that your company is going to be visible in, meaning all the directory listings that you're going to, you know, everything from yp.com and local.com to Google My right. Business and all those things. Make and it consistent, number two. Also in, also in social media and your profiles, make that consistent. So they hook yeah. together, so all, right? So they, all, so they all tell the same story about what your business is about. And then number three would be, you know, uh, add, add something new, whether it be reviews, 
like we right. talked about. Great way to add new content to those to those Excellent. things. Keep um, it relevant. In other keep words. it. Keep yeah. it fresh. And Every it does, you know, and it doesn't have to. People feel overwhelmed by these things because they like, oh my gosh, how do I keep it? You know what? Start out with doing two new reviews a month. Right. You know, because if you do that, you're probably doing more than ninety percent truthfully of all the other you know guys that you're competing with in your space. Don't get overwhelmed. Start small. You know, you add a picture of a job that you're proud of. You probably take pictures of those jobs anyway. Just add a picture either on your website or on the social media site or in those directories. Just do something to keep it recent, add those proximity signals, and make it relevant. Excellent. And I want to thank Chris Morentis again, CEO of Surefire, for joining us today. And, you know, to add to this, because I think like many of you listening to this, I come from a world that has you know, a lot of calluses and scars and bruises in terms of the doing of the remodeling rather than these changes in technologies. And I I would strongly encourage, you know, starting with just investing some time, time, maybe it's one hour, two hours a week. Also, don't feel like you're alone out there. Certainly reach back to our friends here at Surefire. They'll be glad to try to give you some insights and help in terms of starting that dialogue Go back to your, 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 your uh, digital marketing group if you work with someone right now and really challenge them to not challenge them necessarily to be generating all the leads for you, but challenge them to also to educate you and are they really as current as you think they are in terms of helping you. So thank you again, Chris, for joining me today and uh, we look forward to talking to you all real soon. If you liked what you've heard, take a moment to subscribe to Remodeling Mastery on your phone using your favorite podcast app. It's available on all the major apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Go ahead and post in the comments what you learned and any questions you have for Mark, and he may answer them on an upcoming episode. Thank you again for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson. Mm-hmm.